What do you think of like being the CEO, being the GM, like how has that helped you be more of a marketer? Do you take the same approach of the team and put that into sort of your like direct reports in marketing or, or is it totally different when you just look at the CEO role? Um, well, there are two things I'd say that are different and maybe one thing that's definitely the same. So when I became CEO, my kitchen cabinet, <laughs> one of the pieces of advice they gave me is they said, you should always start with no because everybody's going to be asking you for stuff, whether it's budget, resources, you know, always start with no, and then, you know, force them to explain and justify. So that, that was really interesting for me. And I'll, I'll tell you how that changed. And, um, and then, and then the other part is, you know, you as CEO, you are the, especially in a company like Elastic Box, which was 50%, 50 people at its height, um, you are the culture. Like people look to you to set the culture and that is an incredible weight and an incredible opportunity. Like it, it's a real honor to be able to do that. So whatever you say has like 10 times more the weight than any other senior exec role I've had. Yep. And, you know, like if I say, oh, why is the garbage can there? Like the next thing you know, everybody's scurrying around to move the garbage can. It's like the whole people want to please you is just ridiculously over the top. Yeah. Um, now these things happen even, you know, as well in the CMO role. What's interesting is then, you know, so I sold um, Elastic Box to, to CenturyLink and then um, I went to Google Cloud and Google is a yes and culture. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yes, and, yes, and, and so about three months in, they have these exec coaches who come and, you know, check in and make sure you're onboarding well, all of that, and he said to me, he goes, yeah, you know, I've gotten really good feedback, you know, the only thing I, you know, I want to coach you on is you say no a lot, <laughs> so, you know, what works when you are the chief <laughs> does not work when you are one of many, uh, it was a good reminder of that, you know, and then the, the weight of, you know, what one says, it still matters, obviously, when you're an executive at a company, it, it's not quite the extreme of, you know, when you're the CEO and everyone's trying to please you, but you still, I mean, I, I think I've learned two important things myself, which is one, you have to ensure that you have naysayers and people with diverse thinking around you, uh -huh. um, because, when you have positional power, it's hard to get the feedback. And you know what I'm talking about, yeah. but it's hard to get the direct and honest feedback in the work environment. And so making sure that you're listening, that you're asking questions, that you're asking people to disagree with you, that you actually assign people in a meeting setting to be the naysayer, not just the builder, but the critic. Um, I have to make a more, you know, I have to just make a really conscious effort to do that. And then the second thing is, I mean, I, I knew this before, but I would say my relationship with sales is something I, I think is usually pretty strong after being a CEO and GM. Like, yeah, that's like a good takeaway because you saw the importance of revenue and then you take that to be the CMO. I mean, you can't walk away from it. You can't walk away from it. And it just, it really helps to kind of put everything in perspective in terms of there's lots of activities, but where's the impact? Let's cut through some of the, you know, the, the chaff to get to the wheat. Yeah.
The other thing I think is that I've experienced with other marketers is that people think of the marketing and they don't really think, I call it the operations of the marketing. Like when you do these marketing activities, then what has to happen for it to turn into revenue? And so you can have the best messaging, but if it doesn't make sense with the way that your team goes to market, it doesn't matter because it's not going to really reach and resonate. If you have um, the best product, but you have the wrong comp plan, it's never going to go anywhere either. So I think marketers need to spend a lot of time understanding the comp plan of their sales team, the motivations, the you know, audiences that they really have the aptitude to speak with, et cetera. Those are great and examples. Actually bring these two things together. Those are great examples. And that's why I think, I think, I hope that having been in some of these uh, other executive roles, that I am a stronger integrated marketer. Like, how are these things connected? Mm-hmm. How does this translate to what we're doing in the customer experience team? How does that translate? How are we getting this feedback back to the product team? Like, how do we, how do we drive that connectivity? And the priorities. I love that. Um, So do you think that you would, you mentioned that if you had the right opportunity, which is now is not the right time to talk about this because you're three months into your new role, but do you think in the future, let's say, because we all have like a long career still ahead of us, um, that you would entertain the role of a CEO again, or are you happy now kind of resettling back your career into the CMO role? I, I am super happy with the challenges we have right now. And I'm really enjoying the CMO role here at VMware. So I think for now, I'm good. Um, I meant it more like, you know, I don't know, five, 10 years from now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, come run this company, maybe I would. Um, But I really like working at scale. I think that's something I didn't appreciate when I was in my, oh, I want to do all these startup mode um, type of activities. I, I think I did not appreciate, but now I really enjoy it. I enjoy the idea that, we can touch and impact lots of people, lots of businesses, and it's gratifying. It's really gratifying. I mean, a great example is, you know, I was talking to MD Anderson, their hospital, and during COVID and when they were trying to set up these kind of surge centers and the fact that VMware could help them do that, or, you know, feeding America and, you know, a lot of people going hungry and, and they run everything on, um, our digital foundation and the fact that like we could help them like that kind of scale and impact is feels pretty good and and that we could help all these businesses yeah that's pretty um it's impressive and also fulfilling and especially when you can connect to like that outcome right oh yeah absolutely yeah and then you know we also help banks run better and you know all that so it's but um yeah it's it's really i think it's really fun and the, the key is And I, I, you know, I'm still tweaking a few things. It's like, how do you run fast at scale? Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest challenge, especially at scale, right? I mean, and the transformation, how do you transform, run and not break things at scale? Yeah, well, I think I am going to break a few. You have to break a few. (laughs) This is what I've realized is like, you know, change is hard. And so, um, you know, you've got to break a few things and it comes back to, you know, helping people understand the why. Why are we doing this? Why, you know, so that, it doesn't just seem like, oh, we're making changes to make, make changes. Well, this has been a great chat. And I, you know, it's so interesting with your career. I've considered myself kind of putting myself out there and saying, I want to be a CEO. I'm still not sure after talking to you if that's something I want to do. But I'm curious with your career in different roles, um, if you have one lesson that you've learned along the way that you would want to share with our audience of marketers. 
my, my first boss at Apple was a woman named Barbara Cardillo and phenomenal. She was the vice president of product marketing and product management. And she had a really simple role. She says, show up on time. And if no one else is in your meeting at the appointed time, start your meeting. And that simple advice, show up, be on time, start your meeting on time. I, I live by that. It's not, you know, it, it's something that I, I thank her for that. The second piece I'm going to actually give you too. I, I stole, I stole from um, Meg Whitman. So I was probably like three months into my job as CEO of Elastic Box. She was two years into her HP transformation. And I don't know if you remember, like she, she did a lot to transform HP. And a friend of mine called me up and she said, hey, you know, I'm going to this breakfast, um, YPO breakfast with Meg Whitman. Do you want to come? And I said, oh, you know, I'm busy. I just took over this. She's like, no, you know, she's in the middle of a transformation. Obviously my transformation was, you know, small ship. She was on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, okay, I'll go. Anyway, long story short, you know, it's typical Silicon Valley. I think like 80 people were supposed to show up and like only 15 people showed up. So two hours of breakfast with Meg Whitman. And I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. I am going to pay attention. So somebody asked her, hey, Meg, you know, it was a very open direct breakfast. Like, you know, you spend uh, over $100 million running for governor against Jerry Brown. What did you learn from that? And she said, she said, well, I learned, you know, I, I'm not a career politician. I'm really good at business, but I'm not a career politician. And she said, he also taught me a really important lesson in symbolism. And, um, and everybody's like, oh, tell us more. She said, well, you know, like he would say something that she thought was just silly. Like if I'm elected governor, I'm going to stop, the government will stop paying for workers' cell phone bills. And then he would get some headline that would say, you know, Jerry Brown, you know, making government work for the people. And, and her, she's a very left brain analytical person. And she would say, are you kidding me? That's like 0.0002% of the overall budget. Anyway, and she said she realized like she needed to learn how to communicate and do things that have symbolism. So of course we said, well, what did you do then? So anyway, she came to HP and um, they used to have executive parking with big tall barbed wire gates and a guard at a little shack. Like going to prison. Yeah, and so she said to her assistant, she said, I want you to call and get the largest tractor demolition crew in here as soon as possible. Because one of her big mantras when she first got there was like, spend HP's money like it's your own. And she was trying to flatten and remove all this hierarchy and corporateness. Anyway, her sister comes back and says, okay, yeah, and then come this weekend. She goes, no, no, no. I want to come at 12 noon. I want the big tractor to rumble by the cafeteria, like make it a symbolic event. Yeah. And then her second story, somebody said, okay, what else have you done? And she said, well, you know, we have this annual meeting of all of our top execs and um, we get them all together. And she said, we were at this low, you know, mid, mid hotel, it was a Westin in Atlanta. And she sat down with her EA the night before, and it was supposed to be all the VPs, 250, 300 people from around the world. And it came to her attention, like 10 people had not checked in. So the next morning she stands up, opens up the meeting, welcomes everybody, great to see everybody, blah, blah, blah. 
And she says, you know, it's come to my attention that 10 of you have ignored my request to spend HP's money like it's your own. And that 10 of you have checked into the Ritz-Carlton in Buckhead. At the next break, you need to go over, check out, and don't come back. And the crowd, like, stood up and gave her a standing ovation. And she <laughs> said to this small group of us, she said, that, she said, that story went around the world and was far more impactful than her sending memos saying, you know, spend each like money. So anyway, it was a really, it really had a, made a big impression on me. And this is not just for marketing. This is for anyone in a leadership role, which is take the time. And, and she took the time. And I do this now. I take a half day a month to think about what are my top level priorities that I want to communicate to the team and how can I do that in a symbolic, meaningful, memorable way so that people remember. So, you know, people don't remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel, right? Yeah, I love that. That's a great takeaway. Thank you for sharing those stories. That's amazing. They're, they're, they're not mine. What I did do is when yeah, I got to- you've taken them and you've applied them now yourself in whatever, you know, way that you have. Yeah, well, um, so when I got to Elastic Box and we were in the middle of this turnaround, because, you know, there people were, there had been a prior CEO, things had not gone so well. And um, there was so much angst. And, and the other thing, you know, you know this, like when you go into a transformation situation, like a third of the people will get on the bandwagon right away. A third of the people are going to say, mm, I'm out. And then you've got that third who are in between and sitting on the fence waiting. You need to win that third really fast. And um, there was all this angst and people were complaining and people weren't happy. So I said, okay, this is what we're gonna do. And I had my kids help me make a box. I took a cardboard box and, and we put elastic box 1.0 on it. And I gave everybody post-it notes and I said, okay, I want you to write down all the problems, all the issues from the past few years, all the pain, put, put it on all these post-it notes. We're going to throw them in this box. We're going to go out to the fire, the, the fire escape, and we're going to burn the box in effigy. And then we are going to start Elastic Box 2.0. And we are going to let go of the, the, the angst and issues that we can do nothing about. And we are going to look forward. So that's what we did. We had our own mini. Burning I think it's important, like mentally, like what you're describing has the symbolism, but there's also a mental component to it. I um, had a very similar experience at Drift when mm. I got here. The, t the team was amazing at creating content, at driving inbound, and really like being committed to the quality of the things that they were producing, but they weren't aligned. And my fear was that the market wasn't understanding what we actually did because we had so many different messages, so many different pieces of content. So I wanted everybody to integrate around fewer topics. And so everyone said, oh, we love that. We're doing way too much. We're too busy. We're exhausted. Like, this sounds great. This sounds great. And I'm like, that was simple. I want everybody over. Like, let's move forward. Two months later, no one's moving forward. And I said, okay, let's brainstorm on these simple topics. Okay, we're going to brainstorm on the topics. And then all of a sudden, like the same thing. And then I said, you know what? Okay, in three months, we're gonna be at the next quarter. So 
in a month, we're going to start planning two months out for the next quarter. And I want you to visualize that we are on a plane and I've been asking you to change the plane while you're on the plane. And it's very hard because you're already seated in your seat and you're comfy and everything else, but we're going to get to a destination. We're going to get off our plane and we're going to get on a new plane, hundred percent new plane, but we're going to define it for the two months before we get there. And it worked. Everybody was able to plan into the new place and get settled into the new place. And here we are. Good for you. Very similar. Good for you. And, and it's great. You took it, you have to kind of take it head on and talk about it openly. Good for you. Yeah. But I love that. I love the idea of like just that visual. I think, you know, you have that visual of putting the old things that you don't like in the box, and lighting them on fire. Yeah. Excellent. Not a good thing to do right now in California with all these fires. Yeah, but, probably um, not. But um, <laughs> maybe if you have an incinerator, if you're in a big building, you can just go to the basement. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for having me. This yeah, thank you for joining us. It's been great. Um, tons of wisdom that you've shared. I love your life lessons, the things you've learned from others. I think that's a key thing is to learn from others and to just, you know, take and adapt for your own. And um, just so grateful for you to share. One thing is that sometimes people have questions. Do you have someone that like monitors your Twitter or something else if people had questions for you? Oh, I, I look at it every day or every other day. So I'm happy to take them straight directly. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, that's great. Well, thank you everyone for listening. It's been great to have Carol Carpenter here, the CMO of VMware. We wish you the best of luck in your transformation um, as you push forward with this growth into the SaaS business and the continued um, success that VMware has had for years. I'm sure it's going to be amazing with you in your leadership position. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.